we discuss Strange New Worlds Episode 6. After that, we do a quick little dive into Kenobi Part 4, and then conclude tonight's episode looking at the latest episode of The Orville. All this coming up right now on The Writer Brother. <laughs> And welcome back to your Tuesday night home for Star Wars, Star Trek, and other Star Trek, a.k.a. The Orville. Tonight, I am joined by Pollo Zapatos, a.k.a. John, Mr. Corion, our witch in residence, and of course, CC Karaoke. Uh, tonight, Brandon Devilcry3 is taking the night off, had a few other obligations. Uh, we are, of course, sad to not have him here tonight, but we do hope that everything's okay and that he does uh, get taken care of what he needs to get taken care of, even if it's just so much as a quick little nap. Gentlemen, it's been an interesting week, I must say, for these shows. I think we've got quite a lot to unpack, um, but we'll go ahead and start, of course, as we have been, with Strange New Worlds and what we did not like. Who would like to go first? Well, I'll volunteer. Um, all right. So, to me, um, I feel like we were getting introduced once again to uh, Lieutenant Hardass. I mean, Noonien Singh. Um, you know, I- I'm pretty sure that there, there's a, you know, all, all the lightness that she learned from last episode seems to have completely gone out the window. And she's back to being a, a tough cookie, shall we say. Um but my issue with this episode had more to do with um, kind of the show's philosophy and its take on the situation. Um, look, the best Trek will pose an issue and give the moral questions to the audience, but ultimately show why the crew came to the decision they did. The worst of Trek, I'm looking at you, Discovery simply provides the problem and then shows us why this individual was morally right in doing whatever they were going to do. This episode, in my opinion, came dangerously close to what I'm going to call the discovery line. Because there was no moral discussion about the the primary issue. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do spoilers, but... Um, well, we always do spoilers. It's it's okay. a, it's a weekly show. And okay, so I, I don't know. Like they didn't really debate whether they were going to hook this, allow this kid to be hooked up to the machine or not, because we didn't have enough information to make that call. And when the kid just decides that they want to, um, the captain, you know, like flips out and tries to do something about it, but of course gets defeated, despite the fact that he whooped these these guys pretty handedly previously. So, to me, I'm sitting there kind of going, this is as close to the line as you can get. Because obviously, you know, there, there wasn't really a moral discussion here. There was, they showed us the inherent ethical dilemma of the episode. They showed us how Pike dealt with it, but they didn't actually give us an opportunity to debate it. Which is why I love being on the Writer Brothers, because we get to debate it here. 
yeah, but absolutely. otherwise it's really interesting you know, I wouldn't say necessarily I don't remember him fighting them before they like hit him in the head he fought with them when the one of them ran away um, but he didn't I don't remember him actually well he took going down hand to hand with any of the royal guard he took down the rogue royal guard pretty handedly no she yeah, did he, well he tackled remember she got him or he no yeah no, he tackled all, the, I he tackled the other guy initially no yeah, in the garden chase. No, he grabbed her from safety when... So what happened was when they're, like, checking the coin, he grabs her because the guard that, like, had the broken coin right. was going to go for her first. And so he... Pike pulls her away. Then right, the guards go the guard after him. The first guard in the room dies. In the garden, what he does is he gets his gun on him first. He's the first one out there and says it's not on... fit Or it's not on stun. The guard's holding still and finally like puts his weapon down but then Irma or Minera, um, she gets too close to him to try to like make sure nobody shoots and then the guard grabs her puts a knife to her throat and then she whips him around throws him over her shoulder and then okay. in that ensuing violence she stabs him through the heart Okay, and I, that's which, which how brings me to, he dies. Which brings yeah, us so no, it was to recall that there was a tackle. If not, then I apologize. But that's what I seem to recall. So yeah, my and my dislike no, yeah, was the there wasn't in this that, one. That garden chase scene was pretty pathetic overall, and in my opinion, um, that that should have been better. Well, it, but. It, it was a pathetic run. I, I mean, it, it to me, it was like a lost situation. He never expected to get caught, and so when he ran away, he ran right into the worst place possible, the, like, castle garden. Like, oh, what are you going to do, stay in the castle and get more in the castle? And so, like, he kind of was hoping to get away with it, but then for some reason, she was skilled enough to, like best yeah, him well, who right he's supposed pike to be the best him, in the though, card right before pike tackles him for no pike never reason. tackled him yeah yes he did i, I watched it twice pike? he tackled him oh, um, okay so, did he? All right. but anyway he might have tackled it, it was just bad time. execution though overall with that yeah. chase because there, there was so much it was like oh he's getting away oh no and then and then we stop him and then for some reason pike holds him and goes it's not on stun like why that's but that's never brought up but the that's arresting kind of yeah, that the kill setting to me felt like overkill, especially for a Starfleet well, officer. Not overkill, except John, for the fact that the kill. one, the the dude, well, I mean, yeah, kill. Yeah, like, like you're telling me you overkill. can't pop him in the face with the stun setting. Was, uh, come on. I mean, the setup was to the episode was rather predictable to me. I felt like. Uh, like what followed was but, as predictable, you know, like, like like the scene where she ended ended up stabbing. It was like I saw oh, yeah. that before it ever it ever happened. It's like because because of the setup, it's like oh you know, okay yeah. you know this ship's under attack and they're gonna save the the ship because that you know it's their moral obligation, it's their duty. That's fine, but then you know from the very first moment of the episode, it's like well she's definitely not all that she seems, and then they lay, they lay it on even thicker in the dialogue, and it's like. You know, well, yeah. I don't it, want it, you to go and investigate the ship. Yeah, you know, I wonder why, right? There's obviously more to it, which was fine. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I, didn't, I enjoyed the episode. You know, spoiler alert. But I mean, but there, there was a kind of a, a core structure with, 
you know, with that, that, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you're leading with such predictability that let's move along to the actual concept, you know? I could forgive it because of it, it like this show, like, I think something that you brought up, Carry On, that's like really important is that like a lot more writers these days seem to actually be flexing the like vocal parts. And so there's this, there's a lot more nuance to what people are saying. And so the worst shows just fail to connect the background and the setting and the setup. But this show is doing a nice job of it because like the way she's approaching the whole situation is that her people, and she's basically like queen, right? So like her people have already denied any relationship with the Federation. So if she tells them to back off, they'll be like, oh, well, I mean, we were going to investigate it for you. But if you're saying no, then we're, we're out. Yeah, and, but, and I think I can... And that's why, it, like, to me, it came off natural. Like, it really came off like a queen talking to a captain and her just, like, assuming that the Federation was offering yeah. to do the detective rather than being, like... like and, and, and the, it, the show, it, it, you're right, Karen, it does, th like, thread the needle because, like, even the scene with the kid at the end, I just want to get, like, my points, because, like, I agree with everything you guys have said so far, so I'm not going to actually go through a list of repeats. But, like, I think that what, when the kid approached the chair, like, at first he was like, oh, I might go with Pike. But then once Pike went down, the kid, like, was the first, was already in the chair. Yeah. And so, like, of his own volition, which to me just felt like it showed how much culture can influence us and how much like because her cries were like no you have to do this and he's like is it i have to do this or i have to live and that like especially to put that weight on a kid yeah yeah and, and, and I, think, I don't know i really got a lot of indoctrination vibes from that yeah well, and, and I think, Corian, you, you make a lot of good points, and I see where you're coming from. I, I didn't mind it at all, because to me, it was like, they, they were, they knew that the Federation wasn't going to approve. They knew that there wasn't going to be a debate, because obviously the Federation is going to say, you can't sacrifice children. Um, so instead, what they did was, they kind of kept it more of like a secret, but then she wanted Pike to know the truth, just... You know, because maybe she was looking for an acceptance or for some kind of like, like he's going to sign off on it because she obviously has deep rooted feelings for him, but not to the point where she wants to give up her way of life. So, yeah, yeah, I'll capitulate. It could have been executed better overall. It's definitely I felt the ending had that that TNG DS9 moral conundrum in the pale moonlight kind of ending where it was like, it's bad. There, nobody feels great about it, and that's all you get. And it's just I it's think, unresolved, but you can't do anything about it. You can't change it because they're not a part of the Federation, and that's yeah. their culture. Yeah, I wouldn't, right. I, for me personally, I wouldn't say that any of my gripes are actually negative towards the actual show. Like, yeah, those were things that were negative, things that did weren't necessarily like perfect, but it's. Like those are the literal nitty gritty four or five yeah. lines in the show. And so so the show overall did a really good job. But for me, now that I think about it, oh, uh, shout out to Istaria. I'm here to argue Padme's broken heart syndrome. Welcome back, <laughs> nice. Istaria. Long time no see. We've missed you. 
um no i think this show especially this episode like the the real question was how do you like for pike how do you emotionally love somebody and feel actual feelings for somebody that is going to sacrifice children for their religion like it was more of an emotional question because like the federation really did seem to need a lot of the technologies that this planet was offering and pike was like no they're child murderers we're out whereas like i feel like if the federation had been there they'd have been like yeah they're child murderers but like you remember africa in 2020 america like there was a lot of child murder going on but we still dealt with africans i like yeah, that, that they used a, a technologically advanced society for that theme rather than just going to the old, you know, oh, these are not advanced people uh, trope, so to speak. Right. Yeah, yeah like... It, it, you've it's... had a response, sorry. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, like, don't, look, don't get me wrong. I do think that the best part of this is the fact that we get to now sit down and debate some of the ethics involved, right? I mean, personally, if I was in that situation... I mean, my first thought would be, look, while I may not agree with it because of what my culture says, this is something that their culture is completely fine with. And who am I to judge another culture? Like, I guess I take kind of the Captain Picard approach where it's like, yeah, I may find this reprehensible, but this isn't my this isn't my culture. I'm not a part of it to say, you know, this is this is wrong. It's. I would probably have wanted to, I probably would have been more disappointed that they didn't give me the opportunity to try to find a better solution for them. Right? What, yeah, what do you think answer. Kirk would have said to it? Kirk would have been What do you think Kirk would have said to it? The kid never would have made it into the chair because Kirk would have punched out all those guards. Let's be clear. And okay, so, so if you think about it, if you oh, Cisco would have firebombed the planet. If you think that's about right, it. Cisco would have blown the shit out of him. That's that's right. <laughs> so so if you think about it, though, like this is its own interpretation of the events, like because you can very clearly see Picard dealing with it differently, very clearly seeing Kirk deal with it differently, and you're seeing Pike deal with it the way Pike's dealing with it, and you also can't really fault him. That's how oh, good look, the writing was. Is like I, you're like, and not you personally. I'm just saying like it's, it's yeah. a lot harder for any person to say that this is a copy and paste or a like a hack and slash of some other person's writing. Instead, they literally wrote their own version of a captain in this situation, and it's so much for you to like whittle it down to how different captains would react. And like for me, yeah. for sure, based entirely off of jj abrams interpretation but like the difference between pike and kirk is exactly what you just said like pike's gonna go hey stop and then get hit in the back of the head and kirk's gonna be like hey stop and after he's knocked everybody out yeah and i kind of would have liked the revelation to happen earlier exactly playing your advocate here uh, there, there was because yeah, I, this isn't, I picked this up isn't on directly it, like, related. As soon as the ceremony but, started, yeah, like like there there was a line about halfway through the episode where where Pike's in bed with her, right, and she's trying to convince him to live there, you know, to because he's talking about how he's going to die and all that, and and she, it's, it's brief. It only lasts like five or ten seconds, but she goes on to like give you like giving yourself completely to science in order to be one of us. 
and I was just wanting so much more about their society in that moment to talk about like like how Dude, intense you, their religion I, this, I think was actually is, one of right? the well, dude, that, that I think actually did happen in this episode because the way I heard it last night re-watching it again was she said you would have to be one of us. Yeah. And then just pauses and stops talking. And then Pike says, oh, science, service, sacrifice. And she's like, like she just yeah. nods about it. Like, the end sacrifice is actually the child sacrifice. Like, the reason why everybody else sacrifices their life, their labor, and their, in, like, volunteering and shit like that, like, it all has to do with the child sacrifice. Like, if the child is sacrificing his entire life, you should at least sacrifice 10% of yours. Yeah. And that that's the part where she left it out. She never said it. Pike said their credo. That's a good point. And she just mm -hmm. nodded because she knew what she was asking him to do. And she knew that it was too close to the day. Like, had they have met two years after the child goes in and the next child won't be selected for 10 more years, which I noticed they never said how often they have to pick a child. But like, assuming that there's been, there's no time for it, she probably would have said that credo and your like statement would be a hundred percent correct. But the fact that Pike was the one that said it, I feel like it was, it was on the nose and on the line. And that's why it made you uncomfortable, but it was still almost perfectly done. Yeah. And interesting point though, from history, um, fun fact, you know, humans actually did used to do this sort of thing. It was called the young king mm -hmm. where they'd have this big ceremony and then sacrifice uh, a young person to the gods for, uh, you know, like a good several years. Now, of course, we've sci-fied it up here, but the concept was the same, right? And I mean, yeah, now we've moved away from this, that, that kind of concept, which I hope is a good thing. Honestly, um, but I it, got, it, it's, I got it's vibes of this was, oh no, you continue, continue. Oh, well, it's just, it's interesting that we're in a, a, a position where, you know, we would have to ask, like, I wish they had had a situation where we could have had everybody sitting at like the, the mission briefing desk and gone, you know, okay, we know this kid, like, are we willing to, yes, hi kitty, um, we know, um, this kid in order to save this society, in order to keep their city aloft this kid has to die is this ethical right like is i'd have taken a whole sacrifice? episode about that discussion just like right? 12 angry men in a room you know yeah i mean like and you could 100 Sp uh, see spock being like yeah this makes total sense you know it, it, it's logical to sacrifice one person to save a thousand right the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one right and you could have had an interesting discussion about that. You could have had Noonien Singh even being like, yeah, this makes sense. This is what I do on the ship. Is so, I put my life on the line all the time for others. Right? So I don't know that's, if they'll come well, no, see, that's the, I don't know if they'll come back to really this. That's a really crazy thing because it's causing us to have that discussion in the same sense that like Kirk, you know, taking the needs of the many and putting them below the needs of the one, which was saving Spock in uh, the Star Trek movies. 
And now all of a sudden they're like, no, what if it's the needs of the entire culture, the entire society, the entire planet, and it's a child. So it's like putting the same question of the needs of the many and the few. And it, that, that to me feels like a really appropriate ode. Like in, in terms of if you're going to try to compete with the question needs of the one or needs of the many, this is, they finally like, not finally, I, I guess the newer writers really grasped how to make that question. Oh, I don't know how to answer this one. Yeah, and honestly, I could I could see them coming back to this episode in in maybe not a later episode in this season because there's only four left, but in season two, I could see them actually bringing this back up and then having that discussion and going, well, maybe we should try to provide them a solution so they don't have to sacrifice a child anymore, and then we can talk about bringing them into the back into the Federation. And then, of course, we'll come up with the moral dilemma of, oh, well, this is our culture and our tradition and this is what we've always done. And, you know, this is the Federation just trying to make us more like them. And and so there's but a whole other episode that, that could potentially be unpacked yeah. with that. Hint, hint. The biggest problem, um, though, the biggest left problem the door open is for that, with that, the, with that the other colony. everything Star Trek. It, like the prime directive is not to interfere. So we're not going to try to change your whole culture. <laughs> Well, right. it's not interfere with lesser You gotta keep watching. You, this is more. No, it, you gotta keep watching well, no, more Star watching, Trek, John. It, the it, Prime Directive is more like a Prime it, guideline. Well, if you watch TNG, there's Jane. very many times where, like, the main reason Picard doesn't do anything, or the only thing he does is minorly provide people with information like it's because the prime directive and the way i see pike is and supposedly the way the episode the series started is this is you know week one or week two of well i guess week five of the prime directive being the new directive oh wait yeah you're right well no because episode one is when the prime directive went became the prime directive originally it was general order one yes Okay, hold on. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, if you're going to bring up Picard, I need to remind you that as of the episode of the Drumhead in Next Generation, he had violated the Prime Directive nine times because he actually yeah, was exactly. on trial for that. No, well, he wasn't on trial for that. Oh, well, I not exactly. Just but, you know a couple I mean. days ago. Yeah, no, 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 and that was the question. But he said that his uh, his they or not he said the judge in that trial or the accuser in that trial said that like he was uh proven reasonable his violations of the prime directive were reasonable but like that was nine in something like three or six was it 60 episodes it's like 26 per season so it was closer to 75 episodes and only nine of them he violated the prime directive but the ones that he violated the prime directive some of them were equal to this planet in technology like not it's more like the prime directive is mostly like if you're not federation we have no jurisdiction and that is what i really felt like was kind of the thing about this show is like they can't go back it's like this is right after they introduced the prime directive so as far as like how could picard be only a violator of it nine times versus you know every two episodes he's meeting a new civilization why doesn't he violate it then right and that reason is because like 
Pike didn't violate it when it was an equal race, like yeah. an equal civilization. Also, it, I, I like felt like, it, again, threading the needle, but I felt like they tried very yeah. hard to respect the rules. Yeah. Also, I'd like to point out, although Cisco is guilty of war crimes, he never actually violated the crime directive. That's impressive. I, I'm so excited now, like because I started watching TNG just to finally be a full on Trekkie. Yep. I'm really excited to go to Deep Space enough. Nine and start uh, trying more. Oh, you're okay. Um, you know, I wish how... I could watch that for the first time all over oh, again. Man. <laughs> um, well, all I'm gonna say enough. is, well, yeah, that's the problem. Is even with TNG, it isn't my first technical time. There was a time when I DVR'd every episode of every series and rewatched them. Yeah, but yeah, that was in then, high school. And fortunately, to, to I've suffered a few like memory. This. Well, here, here's what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. when, when you get to, um, you'll know the episode where TNG ended and Deep Space Nine began because the writing for Deep Space Nine suddenly goes whoop <laughs> yeah, and it just right? goes crazy good. <laughs> That's not to say that there aren't good episodes mm. in season one and two. Do Do oh, is one of the best oh, episodes. There There's also Star the game Trek, show episode. But... Well, dude, but, uh, right? yeah. I told you guys I was re-watching it and all of you were like, well, get to season three before you start making your judgments. And I was like, I'm having a fun time right now. They, they oh, have yeah. aged like one. Yeah. Season one and two, because of the crap that is yeah. Discovery, has been aged like the finest of wines. I, I will grant you that. It, it's, it's still not as good. Well, no, it's it's not it's not so much that it's aged like fine wine. It's that like a my taste and like I finally like put up the the blocker of like don't judge the visuals, judge yeah. just the verbs, just the acting, just the people because the visuals oh. are terrible. It was made in the nineties. It's bad. Oh, oh, and John, I'm never John, gonna the, ever the same, say it's good. The same principle. Dude, exists Data with, sparkled, with and the same Trekkies got mad at Edward for being a sparkly vampire. Like, y'all have no ground to stand on. And that's what I mean by the visuals. It's it's oh, yeah, it's okay. the outfits and the costumes. They're pretty Babylon bad. But as far as, as well. like, oh, I, now you the, know the casting is phenomenal. Like but, the the people might have brought up a real, point there. and they're real according <laughs> even repeat? to the '90s. I haven't seen Babylon Five. Okay, here, here. Okay, we're we're gonna get you an education. I, I do so want to say, happened. I do but. just want to say real quick though. John brought up a valid point about don't judge a show by its visuals. The same goes for New Trek. Don't assume it's good because the visuals are admittedly good. It's the opposite problem now. I mean, now, I, I, I would, I would point say. out the new voyages had better visuals than the new yeah. Trek shows. Okay, but here's what I'm going to say about Babylon 5 in defense of its visuals. Yes, the, the CG that they were using is very dated now. But if you've seen Lost Tales, you can see what they could have done with the visuals. And if somebody were to do a remake of all the CGI in B5... I mean, the clothing... I'm, I'm while, totally up for that. Yeah, while the clothing looks a little farcical, possibly to us, I could see it being a fashion trend without too much problem, right? Yeah. It, it's the CG, no, that's no, the issue, problem, and that can be upgraded now. We might want we might, we might, we might to talk about Babylon 5 more at length another time. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have on, to watch it. Yeah, uh, yes. for a whole series of, uh, of talks about that. 
No, my biggest issues though is like, like it's the same as like if you go back and watch Die Hard. Like you compare and contrast, the hairdos are terrible. A lot of the mannerisms and shit, like that's it's old. It's there's certain things that make it's like watching your parents be kids. It it makes you kind of uncomfortable, and once you know that that's what you're in for then you can get over it like you already know that's what you're expecting so walk into it expecting that and then when you get it and then if it is good you're like oh wow that's really well done i wish somebody had captured this and then put it on unreal 5 and made it real er because like there's a lot of stuff that is going on in tng that i'm just like why don't they make movies off of single episodes like if anything tng is the travel guide to science fiction you like any writer could take any episode and write an entire science fiction novel around that Uh, one um, episode let's change all of the ship dynamics all the characters and just explode let's not make new world around this world movie please or encounter at farpoint let's just <laughs> let those be alone in fact encounter at farpoint is technically a movie yeah no, already. no. Let, let's do let's every... leave code of honor buried Wait, in the you past. don't like q what oh i love q you don't like but, q but encounter at farpoint is rough it's and r- when you follow by naked now oh i skipped that one anytime i rewatch Wait, i'm you... like i gotta sit the through encounter time? at farpoint because it's the first episode but no, oh, I skip no, dude. now every time. Rewatch it. I could rewatch it now sister. and compare and contrast it to all the other first episode Star Trek's recently. Oh, it's pretty dude. good. Um, it's a little well, like okay, I get this is what's coming, but you're not going to complain as much comparatively. Nah, in my opinion, like if anything, we're finally getting the bottom of AAA. Like if AAA is a whole tier, and you've got your like top ten and your top twenty. This no. we're finally getting the bottom top ten, and the a bottom question. top twenty. Of have bad have any of the three of you, uh, or all of you, seen New Voyages? Yes, I have seen some of them. Yes, no, no, they are pretty awesome. No, I, I would highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah. the best fan. I mean, some episodes are better than Star others, Trek. but yeah, before before CBS took a shit on creativity with those bullshit guidelines. <laughs> Uh, yeah, new new voyages was pretty was really good for for what for what it was and what we got. I really yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I was stuck with 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 strange new worlds so far. But I remember in in the pilot episode they had you know the ship coming in into the space docker and all that. And the only thing I could think of was like new voyages did this so much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at any rate, we should probably talk about what worked in the episode. Yeah, so we still haven't managed to do. Yeah, yeah for so sure. I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and start that one off actually, because I already one thing that I will give praise for was uh, what to me came off as a very well articulated misdirect was they they teased the whole thing about Mbenga finding the cure, and I was like, okay, I guess we're going to settle that right out of the gate and and already get that plot put to bed. Cool. I was very grateful that that was not the case and that they instead decided to just have him get a treatment not a full-on cure so we can get some character development in but it's not going to just put that whole plot line to bed so i think that was that was very good very well executed it was a good solution to the problem yeah to to continue on that one if you think about it it was a 
double entendre because we got more of the daughter than we've ever seen past him reading to her. And we also got the daughter meeting another boy and being more like verbose. And then we got a treatment. So like we still have an emotional journey ahead of us and we got a soft introduction to the main characters of that emotional journey. And I feel like it was really warm, like it was not wrong in any way. I'm also going to say I really liked Lahura in this episode. I really thought that mm-hmm. her, you know, realizing how much she doesn't want to do security was kind of a great way of her being part of this episode or at least being exposed to security. And you could see her kind of hesitation on that. Like, we're slowly narrowing down her options to get her into comms, right? And I think that was well, good. And, it, yeah. and then there was... I was going to say... And, 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 okay. Uh, okay, I, so I'm going to jump gonna... in first. One more time. <laughs> I'm going to jump but in then... real quick. Uh, the Go idea ahead. of her testing all of these jobs it's not new to the trek first because picard did no. the same thing with his, uh, his captain i could chime if in anything, with some real life like wisdom on that captain. too so actually, um the idea of like <laughs> hold on um, i'm sorry I thought you the were only thinking. thing like with that is that like we see ohora not only learning like security but we also see her like learning her despising confrontation like she's like I can do it but like this just really isn't my part and then if you think about like all things with TOS you're like oh that's why she mostly stayed on the bridge for everything it's like she just wasn't comfortable with it and watching her deal with it as like a young person physically fit enough to deal with it in the brute manner it's like nice now I know that A she can but B she hates it and C I respect that I'm fine (laughs) Yeah, and and as someone who has served in probably the closest uh, form of military that is to Starfleet, I can tell you that that is absolutely how things work on the ship. Uh, Cadets will learn various aspects of different jobs before they commission, and even after ensigns come on, they're designated a job, but then like halfway through their tour, they'll even change jobs or they'll try other jobs. Um, Even petty officers have the option to do jobs outside of their own rates, so... That was totally, I mean, and then of course Ortegas gave me PTSD, you know, with her whole, uh, you know, threats never take breaks. I'm like, oh God, it's anti-terrorism force protection training all over again. God, which, I mean, they're they're not wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's just trying to escape my old life, not dive back into it. But that's what I get. I served in the Coast Guard, which is basically real life Star Trek, so. My big thing though is like, even just like in the fleet with all that threat stuff it's like yeah but i'm not at the helm you told me to go to my room and take a shower yeah as far as threats that it trapped didn't get attacked at any time so i did a hundred percent threat prevention so hashtag nailed it i yeah i protected you from my body odor uh i protected me from myself i didn't die on my way to the shower yeah what else did we like though um, ahead, I loved. Oh. oh, yeah. I was gonna say. Um, I actually really loved the uh, the guest doctor. I was actually getting some fairly genuine emotional concern and distress from him, 
Um, you know, that was some quality acting, and he had some quality writing backing him up. So I thought that was pretty good. I, I had to look him up on IMDb. I was like, have I seen that guy before? I know I like him from somewhere, and it's like, yeah, he did a great job, yeah. Yes, I... I yeah, I really like... Yeah, I agree. I liked everything about him because, like, A, his dilemma was just real. And then B, like, his still respect of the culture like can we could you save uh this girl and like part of me got the vibe that like the kid did narc to his dad like oh no that's cat like that's lieutenant obenga's daughter the the patient and that's why he said oh i want to talk to you and like his professionalism felt professional like as a doctor like this is one of the rare times especially when you compare and contrast it to tng where like the doctors feel like actual doctors like they are they're all talking technical speak when spock walks in and says everything it says when the first servant is talking between the four of them they're all just like like nobody cares like nobody's like oh let's let's human this for everybody else like that that that's what it was there was no dumb person in the room when all the smart people were in the same room so nobody knows what they're talking about and they just said, fine, I love that. If you're a writer and you can do it and like, you can set your characters up to be those kinds of people and then you can set that scene, I don't care if I'm an idiot. Like as an audience member, if I don't understand anything about quantum relay and subspace transmission time delay, darn. I'm also going to say this. There's a, a great scene in the movie, uh, The Martian where the Chinese have realized that they can actually help bring the, the bring uh, Mark Wahlberg's character, or not Mark Wahlberg, uh, but bring um, uh, Mark, Wa- uh, Mark Watney Matt home. Matt Damon. Or Matt Damon's character home. And the, the main Chinese uh, uh, astronaut, mm-hmm. like uh, their, their head of their thing goes, we've got to do this directly with the director of NASA. This needs to be a deal between scientists. Because as soon as government bodies get involved, they'll screw this up. And I'm like, that is exactly what happened here was the two doctors figured out a way to make this work between the two of them. Because if they let governments get involved, this was going to get screwed up. And I'm like, that is a very and not to mention, shit. like, both of them, both of them were coming from the side that, like, even though he said, like, Starfleet wouldn't, Mbenga didn't press the issue. He never saw a mask again. He just said Starfleet wouldn't do that in terms of medical emergencies like this. And he was like, hmm, maybe I can just pitch him the treatment. Because, like, theoretically, the way I thought, like, the way I saw it is like him getting a treatment versus a cure was more of like, yeah, they could develop the cure in like six weeks down there, starting with the treatment, see how that goes, one plus one cure, right? Like, their version of math is it goes from like addition and multiplication to super differentials and stuff like that in a second right but like that's not what he could give the starfleet officer that's not what the starfleet officer could acquire and it's not like the starfleet officer could do the math that comes between treatment and cure because he's not studying with those professionals like that's what i mean by like they actually like respected the differences in technology not to mention the other ship just blew up with one lowest setting phaser so like they're like 
expert doctors yeah. and just horrible in armaments. That's, that's actually how the Vulcans were uh, to start as well. They were mostly explorers, and that's actually how Enterprise kind of starts as well, which is what really makes that show very nuanced and fun to watch. So, yeah, mm. it's not that... Uh, it, it, it's not that unrealistic to find a civilization that, especially ones that, obviously, even though they're not a member world, I think they reside within Federation borders. And so it's like, well, we don't really need to worry about a military because those guys have got it taken care of. And all we got to do is send a distress call and they'll come save our dirtbag asses. Um, it definitely just, said just they're, they're closer to unexplored space. What? It definitely said they were closer to unexplored space. Right. They're like, probably like on the They border, may get enveloped soon, but not even close. It's, yeah, it's not that unrealistic to have come across a civilization that probably doesn't have the greatest weaponry, at least conventional weaponry. I'd also assume that since they're uh, more focused on science, they probably have some bioweapons in the in the, uh, in the vault just in case. But, well, I mean, when, when you think about well, it, right, that that's kind of the advantage of the Federation, right? Because you take a look at every member species seems to have a specialization in something and you know like let's be clear like the andorians at that point they were kind of the bosses when it came to blowing shit up and you know when you bring them in and everyone's like yeah here uh you know you can use our weapon tech you know the federation suddenly did a dance for joy and uh gladly accepted that you know meanwhile the vulcans are like yeah well we tend to have the best engines out there right now so here you go and like everyone was able to pool their technological resources together right and i guess humans mm. are just kind of space orcs or something because you know we just don't die yeah no I, i'm definitely looking forward to, to episode seven this week I, I think it's i think strange new worlds is i think we're probably going to end on a high note um and i'm i'm definitely uh sold on a potential second season but thing is got to start taking more risks guys we got to start branching out doing more originality i have another friend that i talk about this with and he said that he does enjoy the show but he is like okay where's the new story where's where's the nuance where's the we've already seen this stuff and so while i have well i can appreciate them repackaging some of the tng themes into this because then that's going to get more fans interested and involved we got to do something special for season two on out well um, I That's think the problem with big doing ask, that, especially uh, just uh, when it comes to that, I think the biggest issue with that personally is like TNG was a 26 episode season and there were seven of them. Like as far as trying to do something original when you're competing with hundreds of hundreds of other fully written content. Like there's gonna always be an element of overlap, but I do think we're finally starting to see the original plotline form. Like we really are starting to see Pike be a captain that is on discussion par with everybody else that we've met and know and love. Pike like I feel like we can learn there. all Pike's life from here on out, all ten seasons. Well, okay, I think the problem. I think the inherent problem with doing new stuff is that they've kind of got, they're kind of trapped in a lot of ways because they're in the Star Trek past, right? If they were to hit some of the modern technological issues or, you know, um, 
philosophical issues we have today, they can't really have that solution exist because those things still technically existed in TNG and Deep Space Nine and Voyager and what have you, right? Or even original Trek. So they're very much gonna they're they're gonna be walking a very fine line in any new issue they tackle because let's say they try to tackle something modern um you know like something like i don't know um you know something like a a a, things that you know like a, a a trans rights no matter where you sit on that issue it's a modern issue right i think we can all agree that that's an issue now then the question becomes well why did this mm. never come up in deep space nine or next gen or TNG, even it did well it did but kind of in but not really from not Orin. directly like, with humanity no Orin, Orin hit it from the most spiritual right. version of transvest that transitioning ever literally his body was predetermined for him like it was just growing until he could take it and if it was a boy if it was a girl it didn't matter that's what he was getting and he didn't care like he was over it because he was the like they really broke the spirit the spirit was the symbiote and the body was a willful agent yeah, and that's right. that's anyway, the trans I, debate there is the spirit like, and we, then we there's can talk the body more about TNG, guys and i'd love to keep getting into it and, and corion you make a valid point and I think the best answer I can give is you basically point out what the ultimate failure of the J.J. Trek films is. Is they specifically created a new timeline with new stories where they could have done all the all the stuff, taken all the risks, and they blew it hard. And so Douglas Nelson made a point about it where he, he said, like, he referenced the fact that Enterprise is technically a new timeline outside of the prime timeline um, because of the Temporal Cold War. That's kind of what I would hope that they decide to do with this show. And honestly, if they decide to rewrite history and make it its own thing, go for it. Because it's Star Trek, okay? We will always have the original series. We will always have TNG, DS9, Voyager. No amount of retcons is going to unbroadcast or unprint those DVDs. You can't get rid of the original. They are established. They are there. So I think it's better if they do just say, you know what? We're just going to do our own thing like we should have done with the JJ movies. I would be okay with that because then it's like, okay, yeah. this is a separate but, Trek universe. But um, and to I say know you that, guys want to respond. To I know you guys want to respond. We don't have time. I'm open. sorry. We don't have time. We have to move on. Um, yeah. I do want to give Chris the time now to talk about our next segment to start us off with uh, Kenobi Part 4, which is pretty much anything, which pretty much was total fan service, I'll say. But Chris, we talked a little bit offline, and I think you made a lot of valid points that I would like you to share once again. So we're just going to go ahead and give it to you to start, um, uninterrupted, for like five, ten minutes, however long you need. So please tell us your overall, what you did not like. Yeah, you're, uh, well, you, you make a good point, actually. I, I wrote it down pretty succinctly <laughs> in our conversations. Um, but generally, I mean... There are some things I, I like about the show, but I've really been struggling with the fact that it's not what I wanted. You know, I I definitely, in the first two episodes, I really, really tried to like it, to give it a chance, because there are things that I do like. I, I 
I really like the, the casting of Leia. I've enjoyed her portrayal. The issue is that I really didn't need Leia and Darth Vader to be in the show at all. If, if I wanted this show to even exist, I'd have been happy with, with, it, with it being uh, something just a little bit smaller without leaning on, you know, existing characters and hey you know you know the fan service as you mentioned um so there's that there's that conflict in me where it's not at all what i wanted and it's not at all what i would have envisioned um and i just rather those 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 characters weren't even there i'm not you know i don't have a pre-investment in 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 the story that 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 i never would have considered to even happen in the first place so i had to get invested in it from the start and and i think now that we're four out of six episodes in i'm starting to ask myself i'm not you know and it's it's not i'm not even angry i'm not i'm not uh you know if i'm not one of those channels that would go on and, and and talk about how much i absolutely am angry at what they're doing it's 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 almost kind of for better or worse like i feel numb you know uh, there was another what there was another uh, youtuber out there who talked about tune out time today and and it was funny because uh we had that conversation on uh, on discord and that was the exact moment i actually tuned out i stopped and i was like okay i'm done i'm out i'm uh, this is over i'm not going to watch any more of this that that was the exact moment that he was referencing in his video, which is which is the interrogation between uh, Riva and and Leia. And then I had to take a couple hours and think, okay, I'm I you know what? There's 13 minutes left in this episode. It, I, I can give it 13 more minutes of my time for the purposes of this. Um, but you know, it was actually the moment that I tuned out completely. I just yeah, I was done. And um, you know, it, it wasn't even. It wasn't even that I had some sort of moral objection, you know, with with where they were going. I kind of liked the, the the darker elements. It was that I just I have this continued sense like I just don't care, you know. And and if I want to get a little bit more maybe technical with the present with the, with the, the presentation of the writing, uh, the thing with with Riva, for example, I know they keep teasing that Riva has some kind of you know, exciting connection to Obi-Wan Kenobi or some kind of history. There's something that they're going to reveal there. But, you know, it's like they're waiting for episode six out of six to tell us when I'd kind of rather, if, if they're really going to try and make her a character that I'm going to be invested in and care about, tell me about that from the very first episode. Tell me all about her. Tell me what her motivations are. You know, uh, it's, it's kind of like the, like the difference between a soap opera, <laughs> you know, and in a in a fast paced moving show. Sometimes it's like with a soap opera, they'll they'll leave you hanging for for ten or twenty or fifty episodes on this one thing that's exciting that you want to find out the answer to. And then sometimes with the really more fast paced writing shows, they'll just tell you that in the first episode, get it right out of the way, and now you can start exploring the ramifications of it. And here we're still we're still waiting to find out what Riva's motivations are in the first place, and you know, I I I I, I can even get with Obi Wan 
being less than himself. I know that there, there, there's a conversation out there like this is the last Jedi all over again, and that's that that, that kind of makes me laugh a little bit because it's kind of like I have a little bit of P, P, PTSD, so to speak. I don't want to make light of the the, the condition, but but you know I I've definitely been I I, I was hurt emotionally by that movie and so there's a part of me that that's like oh god you know um or gosh but i i can even get with it i think it fits here i mean obi-wan you know he would be in a dark time in his life i agree and yet, and, oh sorry no you go i was just saying and yet and yet, oh. yet the, the the overarching point i'm trying to make here is that i, I just don't feel anything when yeah. i watch this show I, I don't feel angry. I don't feel excited. I just look, I watch it, and I, and I love Star Wars. I really, really love Star Wars. Uh, and yet I'm watching this thing that, that should be like, that should make me cry like the end of Mando season two. I was just in tears. And I watch this show and I just don't feel anything. Well, and, and see, and that's why I really wanted you to speak on it tonight because... I can kind of relate to that in a sense, like they put out their their whole thing of Star Wars garbage that's coming down the chute, and uh, honestly, I don't care. Like I'm kind of interested in Visions. I'll probably check out the Fallen Order sequel when I eventually finish Fallen Order, and otherwise, I'm just like, I don't. It's they've gotten to the point where I just don't care. I'm probably gonna watch Mando season three, but if that doesn't open up with with uh, Rogu being returned to Luke, uh, then I'm probably just not going to watch, um, because at that point it's pretty much confirms that, oh no, they are just trying to Clone Wars uh, the sequel trilogy. But I think your point, it really drives it home, because that's that just supersedes any of the criticism we're about to discuss. Not that our criticism's invalid, but you're not, you just don't care. And when someone doesn't care, that's when you've truly lost your audience. When they're just like, I'm not going to watch. Now, that's also what I think, the, that is the most effective message you can send to someone about their product, is to not give any feedback whatsoever. Like, if you want someone to know they suck at life, pretend they don't exist. It'll go far. Um, it'll go a lot farther than complaining about them, because Disney thrives off the negative reviews. That's why when we do negative reviews, we, we talk about it, and we move on. And that's, well, that's sure, why the we news don't spend does much too. time. Hmm? The news does too. I mean, it's it, it sells, right? Sure. And and I don't want to be that. I just want to be honest and straightforward. And so, thank you for for taking the time to share your honest opinion. I do like it, but I can understand your point and see where you don't. And and I I would say that I would call this show. Red Letter Media said it best about Star Trek 2009. Star Trek 2009 was Star Trek Nemesis done the right way, and it is. Whereas this. Uh, Kenobi series is ba- it is a lot like The Last Jedi but it's done the right way for one he hasn't completely given up he hasn't he's on the verge he's like right there riding the line of I'm about to not even bother with this shit because it didn't work I understand it because I've been in Kenobi's position myself so being able to relate to him on an emotional level for me personally is probably why even though I know how it ends why it's effective to me however I'm not everybody and so if the, if the message isn't being reached to certain members of the audience, I think that's what Disney needs to take note of is, guys, it's not about whether or not you're doing good or bad at the moment. You're just losing interest. And I've seen the same response, and this goes beyond Kenobi. This goes into that list of Star Wars sh- sh- shit 
that they put out, a lot of the reviews that are typically negative, they're just simply saying they don't care. And that's where they're starting to get, and that's where I think we're actually going to see the Star Wars IP possibly fail. Now, I'm willing to stick it out with Kenobi, but even then, even if by part six, I'm wowed with some amazing twists over the next two parts, I'll be honest, I'm still not excited for any of the other Star Wars products. I watched the Andor trailer, I don't give a shit. I watched, uh, even the Fallen Order, I was like, okay, that's cool, now I have reason to finish the game, but I'm still kind of... Eh. And I think it's probably because the well, world might be no. the opposite. I think we need a break. I, I have, a, I have quite a few points that you um, didn't like. If yeah, if you guys remember when the prequel trilogy came out, one, two, and three, everybody did this exact same thing at the media level right like as far as like like obviously youtube wasn't a thing youtube wasn't getting critics out there but the critics themselves compare and contrasted all of star wars to the prequels and talked about how different and how bad it was so much so that george lucas had to change his whole intended journey because he was shamed into it. It was like the same. It was like the the reverse effect. What? Of, what exactly are you talking hold on, about? Hold on. So so originally, as far as like everything I've heard and read up on, is that the original intent of the pre- prequel trilogy was that Jar Jar was supposed to be Darth Sidious's master. Um, and there, there is a screen cap of on, the original to... website that that calls Jar Jar the Phantom Menace. Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah, but as far as I know, that hasn't been officially confirmed yet. That's all I want to make sure. Like, we're not making claims here. No, yeah, no, this is this is just everything. Like, I'm at the point where I 100% believe that that was the original script. Right. Whether and or I not that it, was a pitch yeah. deck. And I believe it too, John, and I'm sorry, I'm not and, trying to cut you off. I just want to make but, sure that we make the distinction of, of theory versus fact. Is all I, that's the only reason I'm calling your sources out. No, and that's, and that's why I, I emphasize this is what I've come to believe based okay. off Thank my you. understanding is... I 100% believe that that was the original intent. And, and I, believe I also it believe too. that, like. I just don't have the facts to say for sure one way or the other. Yeah. There is evidence. You are yeah, don't ever ask me for evidence. my sources because I always forget where they are. I, I, well, I no, I lot, just. I, I was also curious if maybe in recent um, days it had been confirmed no. yet. But. No, I would okay. publish that to the wind. Uh, yeah. no, thank you for clearing No, that as up, far as I know, I just. That's what I believe. But after how we how people received Jar like even me like I hated him because he felt meaningless in every scene but then 10 years later when I read the fact that he was supposed to appear inept and useless suddenly I was like wow that was a perfect rendition like I've I've never actually met a Jar Jar in real life. I've met a lot of people that I would call meaningless, a lot of people I would call useless and annoying, but at the same time I can also probably find five or ten qualities about them that make them useful to society at large. But Jar Jar, zero. Absolutely zero. And as far as Sith sense, trying to appear useless goes that goes to show how impossible he is like he is the perfect impersonation of what you 
think a useless person is because he is literally the definition of useless, which means he's perfectly useless, which can't happen without intent. And that's was killed. And if you think about it, though, you watch him graduate. You watch him. He literally was in the Senate. He was the one in the Senate that led the like vote that he said, we I in representation of Queen Amidala of Naboo say that we elect Palpatine. Like, as far as the Phantom Menace goes, he was teed up and George Lucas was beaten to death until he changed Sonic from what it ended up being to what it was originally. And he changed the rules and those rules messed everything up because if you think about it, his original sequel trilogy or prequel trilogy left room for the rise of Sidious. What if it wasn't Rise, Vader, my child? What if it was Rise, Sidious, my apprentice? And now Sidious is like finally showing his true face as the emperor of the universe, but he's still a senator and the apprentice of Jar Jar. And now we get three more movies between Luke. Like that's what he was teeing and due to people's reckless abandonment and just rough interpretations. So like when it comes to Kenobi, when it comes to what we're getting from Kenobi, I'm going to keep watching because I love Star Wars and I will support everything Star Wars. But then I'm going to come on this show and I'm going to call a turd a turd because that's what it is. This is the worst of Star Wars and it needs to be documented as the worst of Star Wars. It's up there with Boba Fett. It's I'm, up there I'm with The Last it. Jedi. It's up there. Yeah, I'm not giving it. In, in order of worst, I it, don't it agree. goes Boba Fett, Last Jedi, uh, the third of the sequel trilogy, the first of the sequel trilogy, Kenobi. No, and I that disagree. Is the my writing opinion. has at least been above the, the sequels and the prequels, but it, I, I definitely... I, I'm saving final judgment for the last two parts, so I'll just say that and I my biggest problem with this is that it's a cockamy of emotion and I choose that word specifically because it makes no sense well I think and you I, go I share from it. no hold up hold up hold up hold up you you go from desert planet warrior PTSD veteran who looks and acts exactly like what you would expect 10 years later from a desert warrior PTSD veteran right then suddenly it's Coruscant 2.0. Then suddenly it's uh, Desert Planet 2.0. And then suddenly it's Sith Empire World. Military base underwater Naboo thing. It, yeah. it, did you, did you read my Reddit theory by chance? It's a discongruent mess. What's that? Did, did you read the theory I posted on Reddit? No, okay. I, I'm not on right Then you know what? I'll share it real quick, and maybe it'll change some minds. We'll see. So the theory that I basically did to quickly summarize is I've been watching this show, and I really, I, I must, I picked up on something. Um, it's going back to you brought up the Darth Jar Jar theory. Well, there's a theory out there that Star Wars is written in po in a as a poem. It's poetic. Each of the each of the prequels and sequel or see ah, the prequels and the original trilogy complement each other uh, poetically. 
And so what I thought, so that thought entered my mind watching part three or after watching part three, I think the second time. And what I determined was, I think that the show, first of all, I think the show was supposed to be written as a movie. And what we're seeing is kind of a stretched out version of that. So I think that's part of its play. The other part is I think they got too focused on the artistic storytelling. Kenobi is written as a poem referencing the sequel or the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy episode one takes place on a desert planet we see skywalker's kid imitating his pod racing and whereas a majority of episode one uh took place on tatooine with a pod race so we kind of have that happen here part two you mentioned coruscant 2.0 takes place on a city world we actually see a clone veteran specifically in in part two that's a reference to the Clone Wars. That's a reference to the fact that a majority of Episode 2 did, in fact, take place on, you guessed it, Coruscant. Um, part 3, we have a fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan, or rather Darth Vader and Obi-Wan again. There's fire involved. Kenobi loses this time, whereas the last engagement, Anakin won. Now, we have Part 4 that takes place on an Imperial facility. Leia is captured. And Kenobi has to go in and save her, except this time he actually escapes and doesn't die. Whereas in, in uh, ep Star Wars Episode 4, Kenobi sacrifices himself, spoilers guys, so that they can get away. So, that is what I think is going on. That theory, will we'll find out if yeah. it holds. I think there's going to be some kind of even, lineage reveal in Part 5. Even, go ahead, Corion. You've been waiting. Even okay. if you nailed it, that is the most disconjointed interpretation of Nordic mythology I've ever heard overlaid So the first question I have is how many of you have played Fallen Order through to completion? I have not. Okay. I got through three quarters of it. I have to come back. And, and I'll be the honest, it wasn't because I didn't want my guys. game. Or, yeah. Or the guys. game has been in my console since I bought it. Let me guys carry on. Our console. homework is to finish Fallen Order. Yeah, no, listen, honestly, because this episode is a love letter to those who have actually finished Fallen Order. Okay? Okay. Um, it is 100% a... These are the parts of the game we cut for the end of Fallen Order. I just picked... I just figured out another reference in part four while you were saying that. Sorry. Um, Kenobi finds the grave of all the Jedi. So he finds his dead family. What happens to Luke's aunt and uncle in episode four? Okay, that's that's too much of a bridge. Okay, hold on. I don't on. think it's the... I, hold on. I need to... I want to know this Fallen Order one. I'm going to beat that tonight or tomorrow in the next couple days. Yeah, I'm days. definitely queuing that up. But... Yeah. If it is, if it truly is in like the way you're saying it, I'm stoked now, because if that works, I will forgive it. Shabine, welcome. All right, Shabine, that, we that you is so my far. opinion welcome. on the, this episode, and I was literally sitting with my wife watching this episode, and the two of us were like, "I remember that hallway. I remember that spot." I remember doing that exact thing to get out of that area. Wait. Because that was the only way to get out of that area. Wait, Fallen Order takes place in that facility? Just wait. Yeah, okay. Just wait. Okay. So, 
that that's what i mean though it's like if it's established in the lore i can forgive it because i understand that there's gonna be requirements to jump across but if you're gonna write a poem over everything you've ever seen and it's this disconjointed it's not a song it's not a composition it's a bad version of a box symphony so there is one other piece i wanted to to bring up and this brings into a little bit of a dark history now um, my wife's family is Jewish and watching the Kenobi series has uh, since they got to I believe you referred to it as like Naboo 2.0 or something along those lines um, where they the third episode anyway where they were seeing the guys oh, flying desert the flag 2.0. or desert 2.0 the guys flying the flags and everything my wife has been sitting there very uncomfortable because she's seeing the parallels and the parts of the facility where they're keeping effectively a Jedi trophy room brought up some very disturbing parallels for her. And she was like, this is disturbing, but it's hitting home a very important point, especially when you realize George Lucas's background. So mm. I'm sitting there going, I can see, even if we disagree on their ultimate execution of the episode whether it worked for you whether it didn't work for you what have you i can see what they've been trying to do and what they've what been trying about to george do lucas's reason, background uh jewish oh okay very jewish like his family he Families has as jewish yeah. as a jew can possibly close get. members I, I in know how else to put it. no i mean in terms of how many generations is he removed from a gen- uh, holocaust survivors like his uncle one. or is it a parent like one yeah okay now that puts a whole different light on the prequels it's not that he was writing america and its relationship with 9-11 he was what writing world war one germany yeah, or yeah. World war II. well with the post world war one germany yeah well exactly right so we're I'm just saying, I even if you disagree with the final execution, what they've been trying to do is very interesting. And in that, it, it's a case of, I am okay with somebody having the failing of Icarus, because at least they tried to get to that sun, Right. I'm so glad you put it that way because I can actually 100% agree with that. Because, like, for me, the way I'm really starting to like analogize this experience is it feels like episode one of the series was a full-on sprint to the sun. Like, this is amazing. And then it's just been a trip ever since. Like, even episode two just kind of felt like a minor stumble and now we're rolling down a hill. But if you put it in terms of Icarus touching the sun, I respect that because these writers are literally touching the sun that is Star Wars. Yeah, and that's and I totally respect their fail. Yeah, and that's right, like, I that's mean, one I, of my I, 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 that's my like, big. I'll say one second, one second. It, I, I just want to yeah, get this one thing it. out there. Yeah, yeah. The reason I believe in this show and like the main thing i want to get with across with the show is i am only ever shitting on the writing and the execution because the writers and the executioners that try to make this stuff happen please keep trying yeah. 
but here's where you went wrong and that's yep. it it's here's where you went wrong yep. Go, nothing go mean oh. nothing malicious please yeah. keep making more star wars yeah so chris go for it and then i got one more point you know i was just gonna say like like as much as i say i i haven't been able to feel anything for this show so far i mean i i'm i don't hate it mm-hmm. you know uh, um there, there's there's things i like and if future context can make me really look back on it and say oh you know I'm willing to look back on it. It won't fix all the things that I think maybe were, were were flawed in the execution of the writing, but I can at least definitely see myself looking back on it with more interest in the future, depending on how they actually provide the context, at the very least. Yeah, and I think I think uh, I think this show should have dropped all at once. And I just realized, Curry, on yet another point. Go ahead. Yeah, the the one other point is I actually want to um, formally say hey i'm sorry to the the actress who's playing reva her acting has gotten significantly better over time she actually did get a lot better in this episode so i don't know what happened in the first episode there but i'm sorry you've gotten better i appreciate that and thank you for doing so i I i'm gonna claim i never thought she did anything wrong I legitimately always said that she was a hothead recruit. Well, and she yeah, was no, acting you, you like definitely, a hothead recruit. And I agree. Recruit. And I and I said this in the first episode too to kind of support what John's saying and give Corion an explanation. I, I and I said this. I said the first day of shooting can be can be rough, and it, they did a location shoot too. And so, like for her stepping in, you can see that in shows. Like it's not it's not a change from one season to another. You start to see episodic progression. John, I'm sure you could back this up watching TNG brand new. You could see, like, from episode one, and I think by the time we hit part six, I think a lot of people are, are probably going to feel a little, well, stupid. More comfortable in their role. And and they should, because I, you know, and yes, and she's going to feel, you know, she. you're right. I agree with you. She's definitely winning me over a little bit more as a villain in her own way. So I'm looking forward to part five. I'm looking forward to part six. And, uh, and and we'll just see how this show concludes. But I think we've pretty much hit every other discussion, unless there's anything else we can think of what we did like. Because, um, uh, I mean, I, I put the what we did like it, but I forgot to mention uh, that smuggling Leia out with the trench coat was so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that, that was, that uh, was terrible. I'm glad it didn't Dude. drag on any longer, and they just fixed it right away you know i as far as water too it's like why do you you even write that the water was just bad execution that i can look over special effects positioning you get some things mixed up making shows in the post-covid era is a bit of a challenge so that's whatever but the disguise was stupid (laughs) the only thing about that disguise that i can justify was the I want to say it was a Corillion on in uh, Han Solo's show movie, Solo. Um, one of the forearm dudes, and he was like, I saw you pull your pants up with an extra arm or something like that. And I, like, I was like, okay, so there are bulkier characters. That's the only explanation I could immediately... Because like, when I watch this show, because I love Star Wars, I want to justify everything. So my child brain automatically justifies it till the end and then my second watch through is where my adult brain's like all right 
we're gonna pick this apart and that was my immediate justification was like we saw a disfigured uh member of the empire at one point yeah and, and like i said I, that's probably my main gripe otherwise i loved watching him find his groove when he when he had the saber going using the force being kenobi I was like, yeah, our boy is back, finally. He, he found it, and he's finding his, his stride. And that's why it's not going to be like The Last Jedi. And I do so want to say real quick, The Last how Jedi... How old got his groove back? Yeah. The Last Jedi, I did not mind the premise of... Like, when Luke tossed the lightsaber, I loved that. I thought it was hilarious. But that should have just been all for show. He should have been playing the whole... Oh, I'm not going to train you. You know, the Jedi need to die. And then he comes out and says, I just wanted to make sure you were committed to this lifestyle. And then he starts. But that, you know, would have already made a better movie, among many other things. Everybody's done their rewrite. So any any final thoughts but, regarding Kenobi before we move on yeah. to New Horizons? Yeah, so I want to challenge the Night's Watch and Shadiversity and Shad and Oz and Nathan over there their channel they talked about this the very end of the episode where they go you're soldiers now and they were like that's a really like terrible thing to say to somebody who just watched their friend die and at first watching their show and their uh review slash uh reaction video i was like yeah i totally agree that's a terrible thing to say to somebody but then after re-watching kenobi Again, with the adult brain, it was set up properly. They, the younger characters, I can't remember who they were at the end, but those three people at the end, there were three of them. And they were like, we're not soldiers. We don't, we're not fighting wars. We're smugglers. We're smuggling people. And at the end, the captain from the Empire is like, no, you are soldiers. And yes, I could see that as being interpreted as shitty. And that's what most people who have never suffered interpret it as. But like when when a soldier calls you a soldier despite you never earned going through boot camp, that's it, it, it's a recognition of honor. It's, it's a, a recognition honor, yeah. of respect. And and the fact that there was that initial explanation in the beginning of the episode, you know, saying that they don't claim to be warriors like like later on in in, in the sequel or, or in the original trilogy and in the uh, sequel trilogy there's people that claim to be a part of the rebellion and they claim to be soldiers in the rebellion but these kids didn't and she was like no you're soldiers now now you've suffered the worst part of war you lost a comrade yep. and i respect you and, and that was beautiful. Speaking of losing comrades, that'll just bring us right into our next segment, oh so perfectly, and that is, of course, the Orville episode two. Now, since we're starting out with what we did not like, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I found this to be the series' weakest episode so far, which, okay, two, ser two, two seasons of perfection, it was an inevitability. Um, while the premise itself seemed to have been set up pretty decently, and I can go over that more into what I did like, I felt that the overall execution of this episode was just bad. Um, you have Lieutenant Malloy, who is a literal 20th, 21st century pop culture encyclopedia on board the ship, and how it's never come up once about what not to do in a horror film, I just don't find that easy to believe. If he can easily, you know, 
make references to car rental places right to the Krill's faces, but nobody's ever watched a horror film with this guy to know what not to do in the dark? Okay. On top of that, it was just more bad after bad after bad, and I think a lot of that was because of the setup. First of all, they're negotiating with their adversary, the Krill, uh, or at least rather a former adversary slash possible future adversary. Things are not really in agreement here. So you're talking about re uh, agreeing to an agreement with people that you're kind of not really on the same level with. They're letting you through one ship. And you're going to cross it, their space into unknown space that you've never been to. And then on top of that, you're going to go into a dark void. And to explore this dark void, they bring a flag officer, the captain, the second in command, and they all go in this thing without any protection whatsoever. And then from there, it just snowballs and gets worse and worse. My biggest insult, though, I think, to my intelligence was when they were talking about trying to find the cause of the dampening field while standing next to Isaac. And Lamar says, I'm going to use my own two eyeballs. Are you serious with it? You have an advanced robot guy who probably has advanced scanners. No, I'm just going to find it with my own eyes. A again, just not really well thought out and well written, in my opinion. So, overall, I, I did not like this episode. I will probably never watch it again because I, I just, it's it's too much. Too, too much went wrong. I did feel that we were touching on good classic Trek vibes with the exploration stuff, but the Krills flat out warned you about the demons, and again, you go in totally unprepared, totally unarmed, just so that Admiral whatever, Admiral Redshirt can get the, uh, get the, the get the disease and you know, the rest of the plot can happen. So I felt overall just bad. But that's just my opinion. What else did we not like about this? On episode? the topic or of not of not using protection. What? <laughs> what about being in the med bay with with someone who's infected with an alien spore and they're not in hazmat suits. She's just like right there in front of him, like holding this his is, hand. This was like <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this episode was filmed just before the COVID protocols took place, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. But you're right. At the same time, that is a very valid... And why wasn't he restrained either? <laughs> <laughs> why weren't there two armed security guards in the damn room? That, that to me, is... Look, the oh, thing man. I like about this episode is the exact same thing that I hate about this episode. And that is, they know... They comment on every one of the horror tropes and yet still <laughs> fall for all of the horror tropes. And that was simultaneously the best and worst part about it. Um, I mean, literally, when I saw Lamar that... going off on his own, I sat there going, oh, man, he's dead. Like, we're going to lose Lamar because, you know, like, let's be honest, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and even the admiral, like the, the normal admiral they deal with all the time, goes, I don't know, I wouldn't go in the damn house, right? Like, and then literally Malloy on the bridge goes, well, I guess we're going in the house, right? Like, everybody <laughs> knew what the hell was happening. But stupid, at the same stupid, time, stupid. at the same time, that also, to me, is probably one of the best parts of this especially if you've watched the horror series Scream, 
because in Scream, everybody knows the rules for horror movies, and yet they Shane and still I were talking about them. this just yesterday. Well, and that, but that's just it, though. If you're gonna do that, you gotta do like an episode where no one dies, okay? Because that's it's like it just makes it all the more morbid, no. in my opinion. Nope, nope. I think I think you guys are completely complaining about this from a point of like this is a serious explanation of events but if anything this is the most satirical representation of dark space like everybody's biggest fear of empty space including the krill is demons and darkness and when they show up what do we get we get no thing on the scanners. We trust our tech. Nothing on the, uh, the, the when the ship flies in the pod when it flies in the shuttle when it flies in. Nothing breaks their tech. So what do we see? We see a bunch of arrogant, pompous adults. Like when your tech is perfect because it's always been perfect because at no point in the show previous have they ever experienced a single biological phenomena that their tech didn't pre-detect they're they're ready for it right I they're point out i think there was a geo reference in this episode and they, i loved it hold up hold up they literally used all of the tropes of reality human arrogance is that if everything works it always works if it always works nothing bad can happen to me did i check all my scanners did i check all my sensors okay then i can do everything within standard protocol and even in the admiral when he looked at the plant what had happened so far everybody had scanned everything rule number three let your tricorder do the testing for you the admiral didn't touch the plant he went to sniff it to see if it had a flower scent because it had no visual reaction to his proximity. And then when it puffed him, it was in his inhalation as if he may have pulled dust. Literally like everything about this was a satire about being the smartest, greatest thing ever. Because when somebody tells you there's demons out there, be ready for demons. And what did they go? Oh, that's just those religious quacks. I enjoyed that part when of the episode somebody, because all four of them seem to have I a slightly different perspective on it too. Every single note of what we think we're ready for in a house of horrors. And while they followed the protocol, there are human instincts that supersede. No, they did. No, no they, didn't. they didn't. They checked it with sensors. They checked it with the shuttle sensors. There were zero anomalies. The only person that got sick was the Admiral, and it was when the Admiral had inhaled to smell a flower and he sneezed. Nothing else was weird. At no other point did the ship do anything weird until they went back on the ship and Alara got close to the flower again and it shot her helmet. But it didn't even spit on her helmet. It just got on her visor. Like Sorry. there were particles on her visor. It wasn't. I, I it wasn't like a. I can't buy it. Was it. Real. I can't I, buy it. There, there. First of all, we just had an episode about um, whether or not Isaac is trustworthy. 
but they're gonna trust their own technology and on top of that they're at war with the Kalon. But like it was dude, like every single Kale, common dude, sense and every single common sense Isaac regulation equal, was just thrown no. out the window so but, i, I can't no, buy if it. you even think about it I the can't. scanners I'm isaac would have said something when has isaac never said something had isaac could have detected it would he have not have well because I, I, i've got never this, this... once in the history of the entire show has isaac kept his mouth shut from his i'm sensors. sorry but this this episode amounts to the stupid plot hole of in-game which is or not in-game uh infinity war which is i looked through 1.4 million uh timelines and only had one so out of 1.4 million no, possibilities we ended up with show. a stupid timeline well, okay apparently. hold on represents guys, guys. how I... horror movies will always be realistic because people are arrogant <laughs> enough to believe that they're always ready for war okay so horror movies and realistic don't belong in the same sentence okay hold on so, PD, I do have a question for you. And, I mean, this is my biggest gripe about the episode. You've you've served on a ship. Let me ask you this. If you guys were, like, just kicking it around, you'd, like, I don't know, run, in, run into a ghost ship or whatever, right? And the boarding party had come back, and you knew somebody was in the sick bay. You know, even if you didn't know it was some flag officer or whatever. But you knew somebody was in the sick bay after coming back from that. And then all of a sudden, the whole damn ship lost power. And stuff was getting really weird. Wouldn't the first thing you do go to the damn armory? Boom! Yeah. <laughs> right? Yet, yet they're running around the ship without weapons for the for the first like, few parts of that. The first... And like, okay, maybe they don't want to shoot their crew members. I get it. But, no. like, still bring something. You but, know. I mean... Even if, you, like, you have you, to look at it according to modern society. What does the bridge do? I, I am. The bridge starts to assess the damage of their ship because and they, they know it for undefended. a fact it wasn't this like an explosion. There's no off. threat. There is, at no point, have any of their sensors said in true. No, that's alert. a good point. They don't I'll have give you to. that because everything. Admiral Redshirt's no, already gone. This was a Spider-Man. Eight. It was it was an analogy to relying on technology. Like you guys are mad at it for the same I'm, reason I'm every black I person like is I, I mad at I should point out I actually really liked this stories. episode. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, I can like laugh at some of the stuff like about it, but I actually really liked it. Yeah. Like for the record, mm -hmm. I did Me enjoy too. the episode. That's I'm, I'm I, it. I I literally sat there with my wife and we were literally going through scene after scene going, "Okay, this is what's going to happen next." Because Fun fact, don't know if you guys know this. Do you remember the TNG episode where everybody on the ship started devolving? Yes. Same yeah. writers. John, you haven't gotten there yet. Really? Same writers. Oh, so they okay. evolved their writing. <laughs> yeah, it's the exact same writers. So as soon as we realized that, we were able to call beat for beat what was going to happen in the episode. I didn't Absolutely even know that. I didn't even know that. And and Hannah and I were still getting, it was predictable. And that was also why we didn't enjoy it. Because it was like, oh, let me guess. They're going to do stupid thing number 522. <laughs> yep, there it is. So it just, it wasn't enjoyable for me. And I, I you know, um, no, we'll just go ahead and move to no, quickly. I, what, I think. I want to say one of the main reasons why I think you didn't like it and why you, you hated it is because it was a horror movie in the most specific sense i think corona hit it on the head Stupidly it was scream sense. 
and it, but it was within the Orville verse. It was according to the Orville verse. Yeah, and while watch... it may not have been your preferred execution, I loved it personally. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, my, I like. My standard, I thought it was funny. My standard for horror I thought film. It was just. My standard for horror film is John Carpenter's The Thing. I think that is one of the best executed uh, horror films ever to grace the screen. And not even just a horror film. It's a great movie in general, in my opinion. But we will definitely is add it, that. Is to it the a Halloween horror or is it a thriller? Because the question about horror is just unprecedented danger. And if anything, this is the worst danger the Orville has ever faced. Because the yeah, Kalon, as crazy as they are, they don't one, assimilate one anything. One thing I really didn't no, no, like no, no, about the episode the, to the that point. Factor. Oh, I get it. The dampening field dampened their delta wave. Obviously. <laughs> How could I not realize the dampening field is what made them dumb? Of course. On, on the point of, of John Carpenter and really the horror aspect, one thing I actually really, I think they missed on this episode is they just CG'd the aliens. It was like, oh, God, the fight between you know, Tala and, and then and it the became like they were just all over bad. the place. It's like, okay, you know what? That first shot was good. But if you just went with the prosthetics on this and in, in, in the darkness, you know, not entirely seen and sneaking up like Alien, it would have been way more effective. 100% agree yeah. with you there, Chris. I, I think doing the CG fight was, uh, that was so painful. Oh, yeah, that was, was, oh, I saw <laughs> people a little that painful. Were crazy it didn't, it didn't like, last long, but no. <laughs> Yeah. I guess that's to me though that, that that's right in line with Trek. Like if anything, that was an ode to a Trek fight, because uh, everything I've been watching in TNG is about right there. There, there are no CGI every battles, fight, they, every they single alien. Yeah, even the prosthetics in they're bad, and there's definitely CGI because there's no way they covered an entire nope. shuttle in black goo. There was only I mean, you got the electric whips. There, <laughs> there is one. no, there is no. Uh, as there's far a, as I understand, the only computer effects are the there's a ton of VFX. Phasers. Most of it's all model work and practical the, costume. The pieces. the black goo that kills Tasha. It's a costume. That, the, every time it moved, that was CG. No, no, that was practical. That I know for sure. I've watched. There was. Hmm. Oh, oh wait a minute! Wait no a minute! They moved the goo. Wait a minute! When the goo you're went to the watching... spaceship and covered the entire shuttle. Wait a minute! You're watching, um, the the uh, updated one. You're not watching. I'm watching the Paramount videos. Whatever's on. Yeah. Oh, the, okay. The yeah. They redid oh, all the effects. We could probably do a whole series on the difference uh, between the original Buffy and the abomination <laughs> that was the updated HD Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. There, 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 there's a they they redid all the um, effects and space shots in the Paramount Plus version. Oh, they redid um, the space shots too. Yeah. Uh. Um, no, some Not of them are better. Not a lot. Some of There's them are, of them are better, but, original. but the, the model work on the Enterprise D is some of the best television. Uh, yeah. Right. But I will say this. No, Wolf but 359 means, looks dope okay. as hell in the updated. Yeah, I'll give you that. If, if you guys, if you're correct, I don't think they changed the model. I think what Corian is saying when they updated the space is they literally updated the space because that is something that has not bothered me yet is every time they do a flyby 
the space feels just like Interstellar. It's they might have, terrifyingly uh, yeah, they might have kept black the original model and dark and, then and it on deep. A I, would yep. I would approve of that. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah well, that's what I'm saying. Is, like, yeah, because I remember watching like, it too, the it warp... still did the, the swooping Dude, I effect. feel like... How close to warp was to Star Trek? How close was it? Or not Star Trek, Star Wars. When, huh? when they would hit hyperdrive. Oh, How close they... to that, like... It was totally different. Comparable. Hyperspace right. is considerably faster but, like, than warp drive how many trails like how long were the trails on stars when they passed it in warp because i feel like that's something that like has been bothering me a lot lately about the episode is that i can't complain about the warp drive in tng but i remember that being one of my chief complaints is that it legitimately just looked like somebody pretending to draw stars going by and now it legit yeah, looks so like that's a ship just a visual... passing yeah, John, like with so the, road the, warp, flares and stuff. the warp effect is just a visual illusion. Um, that, that's just what everyone has a different one. That's why Discoveries looks more like hyperspace because they're realizing well, you're not going to, it's not going to look I'm, like I, stars coming close to you. No, see, that's what I'm saying is with what Corian says, the new, like TNG, as I've been watching it lately, is not entirely the same TNG I grew up with. Because I remember that being one of the few things I hated was seeing warp in original TNG. But now when I see it, I'm like, ah, eh, that seems believable. Yeah, like a it, lot of a lot it of it looks more real. Updated. Um, the, the space they got, if that's what they hit, they nailed it. Yeah, there, there's two episodes that I've really noticed it on, which was um, Best of Both Worlds because Wolf Three Five Nine looks crazy good, like. You, you feel like you could zoom in and see burning decks. Um, and the other one was uh, the episode with the exocomps. I can't remember the name of it. But um, there's a, a space station that's basically using some crazy laser beam to mine a planet. And in the original, that beam looked really bad. And now there's like high definition particle effect rising up through the beam as the the energy itself is going down so it looks really good yeah right also we we hope everyone's enjoyed our star trek the next generation special episode um but <laughs> which i mean it's uh, it's related though but that's those are good those but, are good contrasts i'll give you that it's just we kind of need to get back that's to one of the big things about what? orville though is when it, if you compare it to tng if you compare it to the rest of star trek as far as like uniforms like you even stated it like it took tng what is it three four seasons before just opening your jacket shows that you're off duty and that was something orville hit right out the gate and i think this show like really showed a lot of parallels to tng especially this episode in terms of like the introduction to the borg in the original introduction to the borg it was q's fault and it was oh these guys are bad we we need to get out of here right but then the introduction to this species was very much human arrogance like they had every warning going against them telling them no and they're like we are explorers we're going to explore this space no matter what we find we're good enough to destroy it we'll fight it even if like you haven't explored it krill who calls us your equal but you haven't explored it but we're good enough like the I, krill I love the party going against humans all day every day and they say we're not going there 
and the party scene at the start of the episode, episode wind that up yeah is, is that, that, was, that was just like definition of human arrogance it's like you know like yeah you know it's like uh sure i'll just stay here and give myself cirrhosis while they go off and get drunk on a bottle because you know like they're, they're just they're not taking it seriously but they are kind of like we're great and then you know, he goes up and gives that speech and everything and yeah he's talking to the doctor but he's like you know it's it, you, it, you it, could it have really set up the episode. episode hubris yeah and it would have nailed it yeah no look it, and I that, just don't that buy i think it. not, not after that's why all i say the it was a great episode throughout this series from from season one to season two this just was like nope but yeah, okay. that's I don't sad. think it was the best the episode of the, in the world. That's sad, still but be I mean, hubris. That's sad. You can still have hubris. Well, I, I, yeah, I will say this though: just don't at, insult at me and call me a moron. Uh, here's no, what I, I, mean, I, I can totally guys, understand. I think I think a bunch of people don't like this episode. But anyways, go on. Sorry, guys. I, I think though we can all agree on this one fact: though. even a a not great episode of Orville is still better than any episode of Halo. Well, at least the first episode. Yeah. I, I can only comment on the first episode because that's all I've seen, but I'll agree. No, you, I would rather watch no, that episode again than no, watch Halo again. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. There we go. Well, no, if you compare... No, Orville has three seasons behind it. They didn't lose their writing staff. If anything, they got more money to pay better writers. Uh, all right, they, all right, they, all right. I'll try Corio's question again. I'll try Corio's question again. I would rather watch this episode then watch discovery ever again i'll put it hey there we go all right okay did did anybody get the mass effect uh, inspiration on this episode because the moment they saw that ship and went into it i was just like oh wow this is like they they just painted this this by numbers from mass effect yeah (laughs) and i and i was okay with it i thought (laughs) dude i thought it was the matrix from transformers okay i I thought it was a giant pointy angled thing (laughs) <laughs> yeah so i actually um, did i actually did like the party scene i did like the like i said i liked the build-up i felt that it felt like proper star trek at that point that hey we're gonna go explore and, and then they threw all the precautions out the airlock and that's where it lost it for me but i will say that that uh the acting was good i didn't feel any any parts of the acting that were bad um everybody uh, well within what they were given operated well and um, visually, aside from the CGI costumes, um, I think the shots were there. I think the suspense was just trying to build it up. But like I said, it just didn't stick the landing for me this week. But you know what? I'm like, here's what I am going to say. What I do like overall, this is season two. Or this is episode two of season three. We've had two seasons, two great seasons behind it. We had a very strong start. While again, I disagreed with some of that. I, I can look at it objectively and go, no, that was a great episode, great way to start. And I am looking forward to episode three. So this hasn't put a sour taste in my mouth for the show. I just didn't like it, but that's okay. Um, but what did you guys like? Please share what you liked. Uh, I yeah. love the geode reference. <laughs> I didn't Bordis, hear the When Bordis is saying, we have rocks on our planet oh, that yeah. don't look like they are sentient, but they are. Yeah, and I don't know if that was, but it (laughs) felt like it to me, anyways. I I thought that was uh, a reference to Pirates of the Caribbean and the Crab Rocks. See, that was my first thought. um, To me, what I actually really liked was, um, so for those who who don't know, originally the premise for the Borg 
Um, for those that don't know, do you remember the little um, arachnid creatures that were taking over members of Star Trek? Uh, it was uh, the episode Conspiracy? Yes. That was originally going to be the Borg. That the home... Like, these were larvae of the primary species, and the Borg were going to be biological as opposed to technological. Technically, the Borg are still biological, but yeah. But, you know, uh, but their their interconnectivity was going to parasite. be biological based. It was going to be based on this parasite. The fact that Orville kind of took the original concept and ran with it, um, I thought that was great. Like, for somebody who's, like, a deep lore nerd... Um, who knows kind of the background on this stuff. I went, dude, that's crazy that they actually went there. Right? Like they means actually they knew went... what, what means they did their homework too. They're, exactly. They're fans. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not the only one who's doing the homework. Awesome. Right? Um, so I like that. I, I like that they kind of went there with it. I am one hundred percent putting my money down now. At some point in the future, the plan is going to be to have these spider monsters fight the Kalon. And the two of them are going to fight it out, and everyone else is just going to sit back and laugh. Dude, I'm putting I that out there now. Do not want to put my money on that. <laughs> but I do agree with everything you just said. I the only reason I don't want to put my money on that is because it was something I pitched to Orville Nation on his channel. <laughs> the the aliens very clearly resembled the Borg in their just presence. Like they went from being non-existent to on the ship and a threat to the ship within the span of like 15 minutes. And in that moment when she challenges them when the doctor goes up and goes i know you know who i am i know you remember me i need you to get off this ship and for a moment there's nothing and then she says release the toxin and the guy goes oh she forgot her hippocratic oath she said no to it in order to kill us okay and then he goes we'll be back like he <laughs> knew that he was dealing with a sentient powerful force and he didn't realize how powerful it was until it literally illuminated their one fatal flaw and then it was like all right we're not done this is just a setback i'll come back i know what's wrong i know what you exploited well done i'll be back and that to me yeah. really set up this like not necessarily like kalon fight but if anything a reason for the kalon to finally join them because i get the feeling that there's going to be a scene in the future where isaac gets infected and because the way i interpreted this group is like they declared that they had a mission and clearly warp technology because the moment that the distress signal turned off it switched to come here which means hey where's everybody else that's in the matrix item thing let's meet up which was very borg-esque like the collective has been alerted it, it it really set up a dark, 
bigger future, something bigger than the Kaon, something bigger than the zoo people. I, I love this episode. I also like in that scene how they didn't play into the whether there's anything left. They didn't answer it. They didn't really extrapolate on it. They left it completely up in the air. When that scene was about to happen, I admit I was I was worried. I, I felt like, oh no, are they gonna are they gonna go into this whole thing where there's a little part of him left and all that? And they just didn't. They went in a much smarter direction. Yeah, I like that because, like, I also, I hate, like, my biggest didn't like was the fact that suddenly the doctor was married. For many yeah, episodes, it, we saw this single mom through in vitro yeah. fertilization, and, and it felt shoehorned, and then they just killed him. And I was like, well, if you're going to shoehorn somebody in, red shirt the yeah. shit out of them, and it worked. Well, I, I will I say mean, this. I, if they put the, the her uh, her kid's father on the ship he better be played by avery brooks because that is the only <laughs> way i will accept that that's I, how that works i honestly thought it was going to be avery brooks and then and then i was disappointed it wasn't but then of course right? admiral redshirt bit the dust so whatever so yes i i honestly hope that the 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 children's father is avery brooks in some capacity because that's yes <laughs> yeah like, if it's Avery Brooks, I want Avery Brooks to have no idea. I want it to be one of those I donated to a sperm bank and then ran in to the recipient slash her children. Or, or That would be better. such an interesting conundrum, especially or, or in the future, better. for him to just be like... Or even better, he didn't even run into a sperm bank. She just really liked the guy. He was in for a medical exam. She took what she needed. That would bring up so many interesting freaking situations. Bro, that would explain her whole like vibe is like the reason she resonates with the universe is she did something bad. And oh, she's and always gotten away with it. And maybe it's like part of her is like the reason she always tries to find the most difficult challenge is because she deserves to face it for what she did originally yeah that would be a the, really interesting conundrum also this this hypothetical avery brooks character that may or may not show up in this season um <laughs> he, I, he's gotta be a devout religious fundamentalist of some kind i mean that's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's the cherry oh on polar board. opposite to her yeah, everything yeah. she interpreted <laughs> of him completely wrong just he is not only like religious fundamentalist but like religious farmer fundamentalist like amish oh no their he's version gotta, of amish he's got to still be space jesus dude because let's be honest in <laughs> space nine cisco is space jesus and this would be perfect yep. i mean in my opinion he's space jesus even without the space jesus implications he's just that great of a captain he, that would but... be well, That'd okay. be even Having funnier if Avery it was Brooks? Space Jesus Amish. Like, he was legitimately angry that the people weren't just farming their planets. Okay, but for the record, I can never see Avery Brooks personally as Space Jesus as he cost me 200 bucks in a pool game. So... <laughs> well, that's what you get for, for the... betting against Jesus, Corion. Well, to be perfectly honest, no, that's what I get for playing against him and getting sharked. Um, because the dude is vicious. 
He, you know, he man ran the table off. on me, and uh, you know what? I, I'm, you're watching him play, and I'm like, I'm gonna lose a whole lot of money, but I ain't even mad, you know. <laughs> Honestly, I'll I'll just take more of him in anything at this point. He's yeah. he I, I with 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 no embarrassment. He's my favorite. He just, he just yeah. is, and uh, yeah. yeah, give me more of him, please. <laughs> Yeah, if if the ser- if the show ever gets slow, I think we need to do love letters to the various captains and, and talk about their virtues and whatnot. Because uh, I could write a book Dude, on I Cisco. Would... Picard, as far as Sun Tzu goes, Picard is the picture perfect representation of what Sun Tzu saw for a general. Mm-hmm. Like, because it, it, as far as the Navy is concerned, captain and general are basically synonymous. I mean, it's captain and colonel by modern standards, but a colonel is more of a general than a general is by modern standards. Yeah. And I, just the way Picard deals with things is, I, I, I think it's exactly what you said earlier in today's episode, Parker, is the cast falls into their role the more they play that role. And the more I watch Picard become a person and not a character the more i like see an inspirational general like it really explains to me why the military lost all the uh the outsiders like before sci-fi before modern media the military was the end-all be-all for the outcasts it was where everybody went to go find a reason to exist and now in modern times it's like well i could join the trekkies i could join the military i could join something else i could join and there's so many more groups for us to join and so like to see the trekkies and to see trek be a real general like because if anything star trek is the science description of what scientists would look like if they were in charge of the military and i'm like pro that military from being in the military for like the, all my life, I was like, I would never trust science with my defense. But if the scientists were like Starfleet, I'd trust them all day. And I think that's something that would be really fun is discussing captains and their philosophies. And I would even lump in Ed Mercer because oh, yeah. as far as like who I want to follow into battle, it's Ed Mercer because I don't think he's going to be waging wars on nations. I think he's going to be taking me on magellan style adventures and that's what me personally that's the captain i want to be with is an adventure explorer and and that yeah no i'm i'm following cisco to literal hell i don't I, I, he's got the wartime <laughs> yeah. experience as you will soon so, find out so so wait a minute wait a minute so you're saying you'd follow him into the paw wraith cave because i mean straight up <laughs> that's what I so that's what I meant by literal hell, not you know yeah. made up hell. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean Cisco. Cisco's always been my my captain, and especially when I finally watched DS Nine in high school, um, I I was like, yeah, this guy is the man. I mean, he's the best of Picard, he's the best of Kirk, and he's his own badass self. Um, and so, absolutely, we can do well, a captain special in the future. If you're gonna if you're gonna rank captains as far as like who's the bomb, I still think that uh, 2009 Kirk is my favorite captain. Okay. But if you're gonna rank people that I want to follow, 
Ed Mercer's the captain that's going to give me the adventure I most want to be on. Fair. Fair. I mean, personally, um, like, 100% I'm, I'm like, I'd want to sign up under Cisco. But that being said, and I'm going to put a little bit of a controversial one here. That being said, I would 100% I'd probably rather enjoy, like I, I would rather serve if I was going to be stuck somewhere under Janeway. Because at the very least, Janeway's going to do her damnedest to get me home. Mm. I feel that's, like my survivability under Janeway is higher than, than Cisco. That's going to be a, an interesting discussion for our, uh, you know, spur of the moment impromptu plan captain's discussion that we may have to have. Oh, maybe we'll have that on the on the, oh, on the Trek anniversary. We'll have a captain of captains debate. Huh? Yep. Captain we, of captains debate. Yeah, I think it's the 50 is the 55th year this year for Star Trek. I think it is. It might um, be. But September is I believe the anniversary date. So we'll we'll definitely plan that out. I think that'll be a lot of fun and we can definitely get more panelists for that. And make it a you know three and I'll four probably hour special, up. Or like we did with Star Wars. Actually, that would be a good one to do a a mm-hmm. undetermined Star Wars stream. So let's let's definitely do that. So to our viewers well, watching and our, dude, our podcast, let's hear at the Ryder Brothers. Huh? Let's hear at the Ryder Brothers start. Let's start Star Trek Day on Gene Roddenberry. He passed away, correct? Yeah. Yes. So do we want Star Trek Day to be his birthday or his death day? Uh, Star Trek Day is usually uh, the first day that the first episode of TOS aired, which was uh, September something, 1966. Yeah. Let's give credit to the man who created it and make Star Trek Day his birthday or death day, depending Everyone on which person you like better. Everyone gives credit to the man who created it with each subsequent series, John. Um, but we'll, we'll discuss uh, it more Discovery? Offline. Was that credit? We'll, we'll, we'll discuss more particulars. On. Every time, every time, every single series always had based on Star Trek created by Gene Roddenberry. Every series is required. Oh no! No, yeah, no, that that that's why I'm saying here at the Ryder Brothers we support the man. It's kind of like Martin Luther King Day, like we support his birthday. Do we want to support Gene Roddenberry's birthday or death day? Like, did he go out with a flame and we support his death day? Or this sounds like a discussion best off the air. All right, we are down to the final two minutes. And uh, any final thoughts regarding Orville? I'm looking forward to next week's episode. I have no idea what's going to happen. And no, I'm not going to watch any of the trailers because I'm at the point in my life where if I like something, I'm going to be there anyway. Uh, kind of like what John does nowadays with movies. So there, there is some wisdom in not watching anything. Uh, any of the hype material, rather. I have no idea where the season's going to go. I don't know if it's going to be episodic largely or whether they have a larger plot arc in mind. And I'll yeah. definitely be interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm I'm hopeful for the series. Man, I really want them to do a goofy time travel episode though, where they go back to like <laughs> the 2000s, and like you know, Malloy's just totally in his element. Yes. Yeah, I definitely want my Save the Whales episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, yeah, people people downplay uh, Star Trek Four for that, but I think it's. The best. It's, anyway, it's my favorite to by watching far. Watching now or watching later or listening to the podcast, we will be back next week with more Star Trek, Kenobi, and Orville, and possibly some other specials coming up. Oh, tomorrow night, 
special for Gina Carano's Terror on the Prairie. Roughly the same time. Thanks.